0: The Adonis Audio Experience. Welcome everybody. You are joined by Adonis and Jose Manuel today we have a special guest the general manager of marquee sports network the official network and home of the chicago cubs mike mccarthy mike welcome to the show how you doing man
1: i'm doing great guys i've been an avid listener of this podcast for quite a while now and you guys do a great job
0: thank you mike uh we've had a lot of fun with it i mean jose right just kicking it talking about sports talking about life it's really all we can do, right, during quarantine.
2: Yeah. We've had a you know, great time doing it. I just, you know, it's we had you know, we had our little like last dance little segment and you know, I just really enjoyed doing it. You know, it's so we're just talking about what's what's going on and you know, in this new you know, this new world we're living in it. It did help uh it helped pass the time too.
0: Yeah. And Mike, thanks to you, I've I've really become more familiar with the Cubs and its history and everything else like that. And we've been tuning in a little bit uh, to the uh, Marquee Sports and the podcast and different things like that. And it's pretty cool. So I know this is the inaugural year. It's the first year that the network has launched. I mean, what has that experience has been like for you?
1: Uh, well, I'm transplanted a uh, New Yorker, sort of like you guys. And uh, it's been a, an education to see how passionate the fans are here about this team. And they have, uh, it's funny, almost win, lose, or draw. They have a a superstar every night playing on their behalf, at least home games, which is Wrigley Field. And the history of this place, you know, Babe Ruth calling his shot in the 1932 World Series. It's, It's still standing. And you walk in the place, and you actually feel like a Field of Dreams vibe, like you're going back in time. I've seen people, like, almost, you know, get break down emotionally in tears because you feel like you're you're back with your great your grandfather again something like that so clubs are a special deal here in Chicago and a lot of history and it's been a lot of fun
0: speaking of being a New York a New Yorker man and just a big-time New York fan I don't know anybody who knows more about New York sports than you but I'm sure we can name a couple but one of the things uh, that I want to talk about is i guess in early life i mean your your father was the head groundskeeper for the mets right so i mean what was that like in those days
1: Ah, well it was great you know a lot of bad baseball and a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of fun stories uh but it was a really cool thing to be uh to be a part of a sports organization. I could, it's funny when I was a kid, I could always tell if they won or they lost just by his body language, you'd come in the house and you knew right away. So the whole family kind of won or lost every day. And then, uh, the rest of my life has been involving you, involved with sports, which is uh, a fun thing, but I would have to say not for everybody. It can be pretty volatile. If you take everything, you know, as serious as uh, winning and losing, like I've heard I've heard uh, your brother talking about winning and losing his wages, which is a pretty <laughs> emotional swing. So imagine if your mortgage is riding on this, you know, so it's a funny business, but it's been it's been uh, very enjoyable.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of that, Jose, you and Mike, I mean, you guys share something in common with the Mets, right? I mean, you're you're a Mets fan as well, from from what I know.
2: Yeah. Well, Mike, I wanted to ask you what years was your father like the, the head groundkeeper for the Mets and at Shea?
1: So when they started in '62 at the Polo Grounds, that's when they hired him, and he was there till he passed away in '94. Oh, wow. and, my, and my uncle Pete Flynn, it's kind of an Irish mafia thing, the grounds crew at Shea. So I, <laughs>
2: Pete,
1: my uncle Pete Flynn took it over from him, and he he was there until he passed two years ago. He was legendary, my uncle, and I actually was on the ground crew for three years myself, working with those guys, and it was crazy. Oh my God, how right
2: was that? I, I got to tell you, I miss Shea. I mean, it was it was you know it was not the most beautiful park, but it was ours. You know, I Citi Field has its has its come you know has its uh it's nicer, but it's you know I do miss Shea. I you know I, they tore it down too soon.
1: I'm with you. So many great memories, and one funny one funny bit. My uncle, he's featured in a Showtime documentary called Last Play at Shea, which is the Billy Joel concert. Um oh. But my uncle, in 1965, he drove the Beatles into the stadium from the airport, all four of them. And uh, and in this documentary, the last uh, cameo appearance of the Billy Joel concert is Paul McCartney. And the Mets, who hardly get ever anything right PR-wise, got this right. They actually had my uncle pick him up again at the airport. And it's in the movie. He says to Paul McCartney, do you remember me? <laughs> Paul, I have I to, to say, I have to say, I don't. Paul says, and Pete, my uncle Pete. Well, I remember you, and then off they go. So it's very. <laughs> oh I my god!
2: To, I to, so so. I am obviously, you're a Mets fan. So, what are uh, what other teams did you did you root for as as a kid?
1: I worked at Madison Square Garden for 23 years. I was the president of MSG Network, so I'm somewhat familiar with the Knicks and the Rangers. Okay. Uh, I also have a jet problem. The i <laughs> can tell you more about
0: all your jets. Hey you man, know. how could you let Adams walk like that? What's up?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't One.
2: draft and develop great players to trade them. Uh, I'll,
1: uh, yeah, it's so fr- I mean, that is a frustrating run there on going back to Abraham and Vilma and, uh, Hugh Douglas and obviously Darrell, but I mean, they just have a, they don't want to hang on to anybody. So as soon as you're good, we have to say goodbye. That's the Jets.
0: So, you know, we're, we're definitely going to, um, you know, keep it with our fandom in New York and everything like that. But man, you got yeah. some really good things happening in Chicago that it, it's like, it's pretty interesting because there's so many correlations in, in 2012, you got Epstein, Epstein, uh, kind of like the whisper for, I guess, talent. And he goes into organizations and Jose, you alluded to this. He kind of builds them back up and then goes into others and, and does the same. So he did that with the Red Sox. Then he comes to the Cubs and in 2016, you had that magical run. And from there, I mean, at what point did the Cubbies, uh, reach out to you, Mike? Um, because, you seem to be kind of like that whisperer too in broadcasting. When you talk about Michael K, Mike Breen, I mean, Bob Papa, I mean, these guys are the voices of New York sports just across the board. So, you know, you're kind of going to Chicago. And from what we feel in our perspective, it's kind of like that Theo Epstein coming as well.
1: (laughs) That's, that's, that's quite a, tribute. I appreciate that. I'm Theo Epstein, but he, he's a genius and he broke two curses.
0: Yes, not one, but two. Yes.
1: You know, it's very rare you meet a Hall of Famer who's under 50. Yes. And is still active, but he's in. I mean, he's nothing is clearer than he's a miracle worker and people really believe in him. Yes. Uh, As far as me goes, you know, even New Yorkers might know that the Cubs were always on WGN, which was a superstation. And I'm a little older than you guys, but when cable first broke when I lived on Long Island, you could watch the Cubs in anywhere you lived in the country for, in the daytime. They played day games. They still do often. But they played every day and, and never played a night game. And you'd you'd be able to watch Harry Carey and the Cubs and then your team at night, the Yankees, the Mets, whoever it was. So there was a big connection to them. And that contract expired. They wanted to put their own cable deal together. I would say the closest thing to it is probably – Yes Network meets Chicago Cubs. Yeah. And so I started talking to them about this two years back, and we launched it February 22nd. Then we hit pause in, on March 12th, like the rest of the world did. And then last Friday, we actually went back, back on the air and started doing real games. Uh, we did one last night. They're 5-2, by the way, the Cubs.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that. They look good so far.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, as we record this we're sitting in peril with our knuckles white because more Cardinals this morning, and you just have this aching feeling that there's going to be the pause. I, I hope not. Yeah. And we can, all we can do is sit here and hope, but it's, it's, uh,
2: well, Mike, I wanted to ask you, cause I'm looking, you know, the NBA and the, uh, the NHL are getting started and they kind of went with like the bubble. They went with the bubble with the bubble format. Do you think something like that would have worked for baseball? Because this first week it just looks already so so arduous trying to get this season
1: and Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, I think they were comforted in baseball because it was outdoors. They thought they had kind of the leg up on an indoor sport like NBA or NHL. But obviously <laughs> integrating the travel component is far riskier maybe than anybody even realized. So who knows, you know. We, we hear certain stories about how some of this happened, particularly with the Miami Group. But uh, like the travel is just doubling down on the risk, <laughs> and it's it's pretty. You know, I I can understand. <laughs> they go, well, oh, why didn't you do a bubble? Uh, it's a little harder to do it that way. Um. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a sad thing when people when uh, you sort of kind of get finger pointing about people that get test positive Mm -hmm. because maybe they behaved recklessly or what have you, but you don't really know. You could, it it, it feels as if you could get this still being safe. So it's risky. Baseball hasn't been in the most protected environment compared to NBA and NHL to your question, Jose. So I don't know if there was a right or a wrong, but baseball in general, Cubs, Mets, suffering from this, uh, what seems to be an hourly challenge to stay safe.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mike. And you know, the quarantine's the quarantine really out of our control, right? So, we're hoping for the best. But, man, we wanted for our listeners to really get some insight into these live entertainment arenas and venues, and uh, many of which you've put together. And one of the questions me and Jose had was, What was the most fun experience? you've had at the garden or maybe just the most uplifting and just a- a exciting moment at the garden, if you could pinpoint that one, or maybe a top three.
1: You know, I, you're going to wish for somebody that was in the garden in the era that I was at. And by the way, we did the Yankees and Mets as well. So there were a lot of memories. There's yeah. You know, no hitters and perfect games from David Wells, and David Cone, Dwight Gooden. That was all on our air. Rangers win the Stanley Cup, 1994. Wow. Obviously, a common friend of ours, John Starks, and all his heroics with the Knicks through yeah. those mid 90s thrill after thrill. Yeah. Larry Johnson's four pointer. But there's really only one answer. I think you both know, and you have a hard time disagreeing. Yeah. It's when Hulk Hogan pins the Iron Sheik, <laughs> Championship. Because what are you gonna do when those twenty-four-inch pythons come down on you? I, I ask you guys that. There's no real answer. Oh, it's incredible.
0: Oh my God, that that is so classic. And Mike, Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik. I mean. How how loud was that? I mean, is it as loud as what people describe the Seattle uh stadium to be when the Seahawks are playing? W- was the feeling like that like an outer body experience?
1: I, let me tell you, I've been in some loud. I was at ACDC in the front row. I I, I was at uh, you know Rangers when the cup. There was nothing louder, and there never will be anything louder. Than that. <laughs> Iranian Sheikh belt up, comes out and by the way there's 51 American hostages in Iran and he's spitting America spitting and out comes oh the American God. dream and the place is going banana <laughs> oh, oh my, my
0: goodness. goodness that that is that is absolutely hilarious and you know uh, the other thing is that we, we are some aficionados of the cigars you know um i enjoy my uh robusto and churchill's i know you're you're an aficionado yourself what what's your what's your favorite cigar right now that you're smoking mike
1: well i'm a gurka guy as you know <laughs>
0: no, no way
1: i uh, I I don't really have a go-to. I, I I'm uh, I I enjoy quite a bit as you do. I I, I would have to say an Oliva, uh, uh, Milanio. If I was left to have one more cigar, that would probably be it. Oh but man, so many good ones.
0: Oh my God, I love the Milanios myself. I've been uh I've been looking up the Ashtons as well, and then obviously I pick up those Legends too, uh, which I know you you've had as well. Um, yeah some of the things we wanted to get into some battles about because we got to settle this today, Mike. And that is Mike Tyson or Ali. Come on, Mike. You got to tell everybody right now. We got to set the record straight. I mean, who do you got? It's one fight. We're not talking about a 20-year window. We're talking about one day, one night, one match. Who you got, man? Is it Ali or is it Iron Mike?
1: Oh, well, Jose, what's your favorite Mike Tyson quote before we get into the debate?
2: One that one that I laugh about with my friends. You know, it's I forget the fight. I forget who he fought, but he's, interviewed, he, he's getting interviewed by Jim Gray. And he's like, I broke my back. <laughs> and he's just standing there. He's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that's that's the one that we, we laugh about. That I mean, to this day, we, we, somebody threw somebody threw that clip in our in our chat this week. He's just it, it's hysterical. That that would probably be my favorite one.
1: <laughs> well, my favorite is uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure of producing a number of Mike's fights at the garden, and and one up in the Catskills when he was in his kind of bum of the month club, they called it.
0: Yeah,
1: would drag somebody out every month and let him end it in 90 seconds. So pretty familiar with his work. And uh, got suckered into every pay per view he was ever in. Uh, And but I'm older than you. So I I, you guys both so I can claim to have watched Ali a few times since prime. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's the, it's the ultimate debate, right? Cause it's the tall, fast, uh, craftsman versus the lethal puncher. And, uh, no lie. I mean, Adonis and I have gone around and around on this over many, uh, oh, yes. millennial, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, Ali. Uh, even though I, I'm certainly more than aware of Tyson's brutality and, uh, and I also know that Ali had had trouble with certain fighters in Tyson's uh, style. No one was quite like Tyson, but Joe Frazier was probably the closest. Uh, in, in their prime, pound for pound, it would be a hell of a fight. So I have no I have no reason to believe that I'm heavily right or wrong. But my opinion is that I never saw Tyson go late into a fight and win on points or win on guile. I saw him just br- brutally. And people, uh, including Michael Spinks in the next city. I was at that fight. That was made. That fight was over. While the ref was the rules to Spinks, and he was looking at Tyson with the sockless uh, boots and the sweat going down his shoulder and the glare. And it was as if Spinks was going, Oh my God, this, this wasn't in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,. But I, I, I'm going Ali. I think he wins uh, in, on decision. I think he dances around a la What he did to Foreman, you know, Foreman was a much different fighter, but he was un- He was an unbeatable, uh, almost you know, mysteriously strong guy who was just going to kill Ali. That's what everybody thought. Yeah. In uh, Zaire. Yeah. Yeah. And Ali outthought him, and to see it live, which I did it's always different than watching this stuff on tape. So it would be great. This is not any kind of denigration of Tyson in his prime, which was thrilling to watch. It's a great debate. I go Ali. What about you guys?
0: Oh man. Uh, Jose. Cause I think Mike knows where I stand on this. What about you, Jose?
2: Yeah. I know my brother has self appointed himself. The leader of the Mike Tyson fan club. <laughs> uh, I, I will also not having seen Ali, but. You know he had different ways to win. He, you know, he he fought like the, you know, the more memorable fights. And you know, you're right. He never had like that 12. You know, Tyson never had like that 12 round war. I, I will have to lean from. I will have to lean Muhammad Ali as well.
0: Oh man, well, you 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 recruited one man. I can't believe you did that, Mike. Listen, <laughs> listen, both of you guys. All right, just relax for a second. All right. Tyson and his first 22 fights knocks out 19. We're talking about he is 5'10", 215, right? And yeah, there's a lot of things and nuances that go into that. But the way he lo- he made grown men look, and I know you guys respect it. I just think that Tyson would have just cleaned house with Ali. And I know I'm going to be in the minority in that. So whatever. We'll keep it moving. So... So We're we, all. So free. we
1: say it would be a good fight, and you go. He cleans house. See, this is the issue with you, Ali.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. You're right. You're right. But respected <laughs> Ali's skills, without a doubt, there was nobody like him. And I was actually having this conversation with someone the other day, and what what makes Ali, in my opinion, uniquely just different than any other fighter, even against Mike. And in all honesty, is that. Ali's career was that of a, of a, of a, um, a it had a, a more defined storyline. I felt that there were parts where, you know, he, through defeat, he discovered himself in, in other ways, reinvented himself, and then he triumphed with, uh, with victories against uh, those Fraser battles. Um, he was never afraid to, to fight the opponent that he needed to fight at that time. Obviously his, his activism and stuff like that outside of boxing kind of probably puts him over the top anyway, just because he was a, a a person who, who, who's kind of spoke his, his voice. And those are the parts that when you add it all in culmination, I think, yeah, Ali's got it. But when I think about brute strength, force, uh, punching power, people don't give Tyson's technical abilities, a lot of credit when he does have a lot of technical ability um, in fighting. And that's the only part I say is that, you know what, if you just throw him in there, um, I'd be curious to see how it goes. But, yeah, you know, Ali gets the edge in that sense. But leading into that, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, um, man, what, what do you guys think about it? I know, I mean, I feel Mike's got it, but these guys are in their 50s. We really want to know what you think about this, Mike. I mean, what do you think about these two fighting at the age of, one's what, 52, the other is 54?
1: Well, be, be, before we get into that, Jose, do you have an Ali quote that you favor? Because I have one I want to make sure I share with the, with you guys.
2: Uh, I can't really remember the quote. I just, how did he say it? He was like, I'm so fast, I could turn off the lights in my bedroom and be in the bed before the room gets dark. Yes, <laughs> Yes, that's
1: right. That's right. That's a great one for me. Of course, you got float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. But yes. My favorite was a pre, pre-fight with Sonny Liston press conference when he looked over at Sonny and he said, if you even dream about beating me, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> so Roy Jones, Tyson, here's my thing. Obviously, it's a laughing stock. It's a joke. Yeah. You should be embarrassed to would be even talking about it. And I'm going to be paying about 99 99 <laughs> for sure. I'm the original sucker for this stuff. I remember watching Camacho Duran when they were 20 years past their prime. And I told myself all day not to do it. And then I went down to my basement and I hit select, entrance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch. That's that's That I know. The rest of it I have no idea. This could be a train wreck.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, that that is a fair point, and that is hilarious, man. And speaking of tuning in, the NBA just launched. We're big NBA guys. I hate the fact I can't see the Knicks uh, right now, but I've been tuning in to the bubble league. Well, that's
1: because they only selected the first twenty-two teams. I think it's why you're not seeing the Knicks.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Knicks. yeah, yeah Mike, I kind well, of skipped with over that,
1: oh, that's, but that's great. <laughs> that's that, you. You got a great head coach, though. You know? We.
0: Tom Thibodeau, I mean, I'm excited. We we picked up somebody of substance. I was getting tired of these like, just guys who were coming through. I feel like Tom is the guy who has the most substance. I I don't know what he's like, you know, in the organization. Uh, apparently, there's you know he he has a he likes to have a lot of control of things. But what I've seen on the court is that players play really hard for him. So. I'm hoping that you know the roster we put out there, especially with that young talent. They're just going to play really hard for Thibodeau, and and that's all we want as Nick fans is for for the team to just play really hard. That's it.
1: Did you did you watch the press conference? Uh, no, this was yesterday, or Thursday when they hired him.
0: I didn't watch it. It was though.
1: hilarious. So they there's a, Mark Berman is a New York post reporter on the Knicks and yeah. the, the next beat columnist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a zoom call, right? So you can't really see everybody as clearly as you normally would, but Thibodeau is on the press conference and he get he feels a quick, now it's time for questions. And here comes the first question. And it's Mark Berman of the New York post it says Mark Berman, New York post and Thibodeau coached for the Knicks 20 years ago as an assistant. He said, wait a minute, Mark Berman. Are you still here? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which was bro. <laughs> He's sharp. He's got some memory then. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. No, so we've been watching the bubble league. I think the NBA translates the best without fans. Just because of the, the size of the arena. You know, you could zoom in and kind of like wide lens. And it doesn't look like these big open spaces. I, I felt like the NBA probably did the better job of the sports just in, in putting a product out there um, in a place where there's no fans, which obviously having fans is the best case scenario, but the way they've done it, I think it's been pretty clever so far. What do you think Jose?
2: I like it. I like it. I mean, they, like you know, they closed off certain parts of the courts. It just looks like summer league now. And like, it, I really think it works. They, the um, you know, they, you know, they are still playing music and stuff, and I've, I've really been enjoying it. I've really been enjoying it. How about you?
1: I agree with you guys. It's it's a it's a good uh, match of the way that game is played and the arena that they're playing it in. I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. Yeah. And I think uh, hopefully everybody stays healthy. Like I said, you know, it's it's kind of uh, it's difficult to feel anything but sympathy for people that get sick. And it's also difficult to listen to people brag about how careful they are and how they won't get it because you could get it, you know. And you there could. have been issues like the Nets were decimated before that bubble league even started. They can't really feel their team. <clears throat> so nothing's perfect, but that's as close as it's going to get, I guess, for the time being. And uh, But I have good buddies like Mike Green and Howie Singer who are in that yeah. bubble working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in different degrees, their biggest concern was the traveling into Florida. You know because uh, that's that's the epicenter so there's not that's not a lot of laughs if i told you hey yeah you guys want to run down to florida today you're probably going to pass you know yeah yeah, yeah. so there's nothing perfect about it but once they start and they're in the bubble and they're protected for several months yeah they, they probably did get it right and adam silver usually does so
0: yeah yeah no it's a it's a very serious uh point and um and time and history, you know, and the part that scares me a little bit is just watching the the digital faces on the screens. It freaks me out just a little is to see that because it reminds me of all these like futuristic movies that have come out with this like, you know, new society, so to speak. And, and everything like is. Cutouts, yeah. You know, and that's the only part that. I'm a little just afraid of. I don't know if I want it to be a permanent thing, so it's like I'm rooting for it to be a success, but I also don't want it to be so good that people are like, you know what, we don't need to go to arenas anymore because that I don't want. I'd like for us to get back to it, and you know, when it's safe, of course.
1: Have you considered constructing a cigar lounge in your house with cardboard cutouts of those characters that go to those places? (laughs) It might be easier to stomach, you know
0: you, you know it actually might be because you do find the most interesting people at cigar lounges. What is it with the cigar lounge where you just find the most interesting stories? I mean, you can't even make it up. it's it's unbelievable. but well, you I don't know or
1: I don't know Jose if you've ever been in one of these, but the scary I mean you you clip off a cigar and you, you light the other end of it, you just locked in on somebody, whoever he was, for forty five minutes, you know. Yeah. You can't just knock the shot back and walk away. You got to. Okay, so.
2: <laughs> I've been to a few places with Adonis. He's taking me. I'm just learning my cigar game. You know, I probably have like a cigar a year right now, but uh, he's taking me to You Yeah, I, I know the dynamic.
0: Yeah, and, right. and it's hilarious because. Once you clip that other end of the cigar, I crack up because literally for 45 minutes, you got to deal with somebody's story, good or bad. You are committed like in poker. When you're committed,
1: it's like getting wedged wedged into a Metro North, uh, you know, train seat with somebody.
0: Oh my God. That is hilarious. Mike, uh jose and i really appreciate you coming on the show uh this is really the first time we we've had guests and um have been able to talk sports and all other things so we're truly grateful uh for that and it's an exciting moment um you know this platform we put together and uh to really express uh how we felt about the current uh sports scenes and also things in life because and you guys could attest to this there's so much correlation between just life and sports that uh, we felt it was a great opportunity to voice our opinions. Doing it on the podcast platform, I felt that was going to be pretty good because people are listening to podcasts it, it's easy accessible on the phone i know that um even marquee sports has, has a podcast called off the mound uh which is uh i think it was with ryan dempsey uh which is pretty cool so you know it's just a great platform uh to be out there overall so we really thank you for taking the time in your schedule to to be on the show man
1: well, you guys do a great job here. Uh, it's been a fun listen. I listen every week. Tell a lot of my friends about. It. There, there are issues. You got a Nick issue. You got a Tyson issue. You got issues, but that's okay. It's a fun listen, and you guys are having fun doing it. And you're actually illuminating people to some perspectives that are that are healthy for them to consider. So, good for you guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. Hopefully, when we normalize, we'll get together and and have something in the way of a social experience, a little different than than this but uh we'll punch through in the meanwhile thanks very much for having me guys
0: yeah thank you mike thank
2: you for coming on thank you for coming on we'll have you back out when the cubs uh you know get to the world series <laughs> beautiful beautiful okay
0: all have right good one. take care bye Be well. man jose that was a that was a pretty cool uh interview with mike mccarthy marquee sports i mean what were your takes on it man
2: it was fun to talk to him, you know, just about like, you know, Mets history, everything. He's just, he's seen so much. He's experienced so much. Yeah, so, you know, he really cracked me up when we were talking about the guard, and I never expected him to drop that Hulk Hogan-Iron Sheik match. <laughs> I did not see that coming. That I mean, that flattened me.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I Dude, I was floored. I remember we were having a, a conversation <clears throat> at the lounge, and, you know, he brings out that story, and... I guess the way he prefaced the question was he asked all of us, okay, what was the best arena you've been to? And, you know, somebody mentioned, oh, a hockey game, you know, game seven. Somebody else said, oh, uh, baseball. Somebody said a, a concert and so on and so forth, right? And it's about like seven of us in the room. And then out of nowhere, he comes out and he's like, wrestling, Hulk Hogan and the Iron cheek. trust me guys, you have never experienced something like it. And everybody literally has the same expression. We are in tears laughing. Like we can't, we, we're holding our stomachs. It's just so funny. And you know, he's he just has that gregarious personality. Like, it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, the room kind of just gravitates to that energy. And and the storytelling aspect of it, of course, is just hilarious. So, you know, I'm happy uh, you know, he was able to come on.
2: No, oh, that was so much fun. You know, I got to talk about Shay, you know, and uh, I didn't even know that about about you know, about his family that he's so ingrained in the Met family like that. I didn't I never knew that, you know.
0: Yeah, a lot of Met's history, yeah, from the, the polo and uh uh Shay and and city field now i mean uh i thought that was funny too when it's like uh what do you say it's kind of like a big mob mob boss family like yeah,
2: like an irish mafia yeah like like an <laughs> irish
0: mafia <laughs> that is hilarious but no i you know i felt like there was a lot that we took from it and i hope people uh took a lot from it as well as far as just understanding from uh industry domain knowledge aspect and um And just understanding some of the the, the nuance and, and behind the scenes with sports. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on this beautiful Saturday. Until next time, peace out.